Hello, and welcome to another episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. Before I go any further, I would like to make a very important correction concerning last week's message. The gentleman that I referred to in that episode, Samuel L. Perry, who is an associate professor at OKU, is not a white Christian nationalist. In fact, he's just the opposite, which was not clearly understood or made plain through the podcast that I was listening to. In actuality, this man is an opponent of white Christian nationalism, who not only speaks out against that racist organization, but has written a book, The Flag and the Cross, which he co-authored with Philip Gorski, who is co-director of Yale Center for Comparative Research, and who also co-runs the Religion and Politics Colloquium at the Yale Macmillan Center. The quotes that I gave from Mr. Perry were true and accurate, but it was not made clear that he was in fact sharing information that he himself had obtained from his own study and research. His book, The Cross and the Flag, exposes even more about this dangerous white supremacist movement. As I delved into additional research of my own concerning this operation of Christian Christian racism, I saw fresh and new work that Samuel L. Perry, Philip Gorski, Dr. Jamar Tisby, and others are doing to expose this movement, though not at all new, but until recent years had remained somewhat masked. These men and many others, even like myself, although on a much smaller basis, are working to help true Christians so that they will not unknowingly fall into this cult of racism and white supremacy. Remember, a lie is one thing, but being deceived brings that lie to a whole other level. Christians are being deceived by this organization of white Christian nationalism without even realizing it. It's something that has been so subtle in the church and body of Christ until it has gone either unnoticed or just completely ignored. Unfortunately, that can be likened to ignoring a lump or a cough only to find out when it's too late that it's a deadly cancer. Because that's what white Christian nationalism is to the body of Christ a cancer that must be cut out and completely eradicated of the church and Christianity as we know it today will cease to exist. I cannot help but wonder if the depths of those who will cry out to God in Revelation 6 will be brought about by those who call themselves Christians, but in actuality will incite others to rise up against the body of Christ through their actions. It's unbelievable as to how Christianity is being used to dupe and defraud people into thinking that what racist white supremacists are doing is godly. During the podcast, when I heard Samuel L. Perry speak, he mentioned the shaman who prayed on the Senate floor during the insurrection. There were many prayers prayed that day in the course of that uprising. But if you listen to the shaman's prayer, Although it mentioned God and even Christ, there was something that should have been recognized as a direct signal to true Christians that it was demonic. The shaman, Jacob Chansley, continued to talk about the white light, the white light of love and the white light of harmony, among other things. 
Just the fact that he calls himself a shaman should have been an eye opener for Christians everywhere. Are shamans ever mentioned in the word of God? Yet simply because he prayed and because of the fact that many heard him say God and Christ, they are convinced that that unholy, illegal, and unrighteous occurrence glorified the Father. It was obvious to those of us who watched the January 6th insurrection that there were those who were carrying crosses, church flags, and participating in another depiction of Christianity, which was kneeling down in prayer after they had illegally entered capital. How can you pray for God to bless your crimes when you're literally in the act of committing that crime? But again, for many Christians, those flags, prayers, and whatever else was impressive enough to make them believe that it was a true Christian movement. We cannot continually allow ourselves to be moved by what we see as opposed to what God says. We must learn to seek the face and voice of God. And remember, sisters and brothers, even the oldest pictures of the KKK show the robes that they wore bearing crosses while burning black people alive, hanging black men, women, and children, while beating blacks and Jews, young and old, to death. Their symbols were those of Christians, even through the burning of crosses, which was supposed to be a sign of their Christianity, while singing songs such as On With Christian Soldier or The Old Rugged Cross. As far as I'm concerned, it was all total blasphemy. True Christians, I might even say the average Christian, should be aware of what's taking place in the churches across the nation today. They may not be wearing the robes in the Sunday services, but some of them, I would dare say, literally have them hanging in their closets. Also, it should be noted that the younger generations of the Klan and other white supremacist groups aren't wearing the robes anymore, but are now tattooed with the cross and a drop of red blood in the center of it, while some will just wear the drop of blood as their insignia. But these people are going to church on Sundays. Some may be sitting right next to you. They call themselves Christians and are encouraging other Christians to join their ranks of white supremacy. They want to use the church and word of God for their own personal hidden agendas, which is white supremacy and racism. This is not about political parties. There is a stark difference between being a Republican, voting for your Republican party, and voting for a Republican who is not only a known racist, but a whoremonger, a liar, a cheat, and who has absolutely no morals, honor, or integrity. There should have been more of an awareness. It should have been an eye-opener in the body of Christ when white evangelicals embraced and supported Donald Trump. Although there are many who now realize their mistakes, there are still others who have embraced and encouraged his racism. They are those who have seen these white Christian nationalists come out of their closets and have used it as a signal that they may now be open concerning their own hatreds and racism. Last Saturday morning, I was brought into Nehemiah 7, where it reads in the second verse, 
I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Nehemiah knew that those in charge should be men who truly fear God, as well as being men of honor and integrity. Admittedly, at this time, it's truly hard, if not impossible, to find men and women of integrity in politics. But if Christians could put a whoremongering liar in the White House, surely they can demand and elect a man or woman of character and integrity to lead this nation. We must be aware of who we choose to lead us. When Caesar asked the people who they wanted released, Jesus or Barabbas, it was the priests, the leaders of the synagogues, the spiritual leaders of the Jews, those who taught and encouraged them in their service to God, who incited them to demand that Barabbas be released. And who was Barabbas? According to Matthew 15, 7, it reads, a man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. You just can't make this stuff up. To put it bluntly and truthfully, white Christian nationalists and white evangelical Christians chose a Barabbas. The priests, pastors, and Christian leaders of this time impelled the people to demand an insurrectionist. In the foreword written by Dr. Jamar Tisby for the book, The Flag and the Cross, he wrote, and I quote, the concept of white Christian nationalism encompasses the many ways bigotry, prejudice, xenophobia, patriarchy, and racism show up in Christian guise. More than merely providing a nomenclature for a sociocultural phenomenon, white Christian nationalism helps explain the mindsets and beliefs that lead to certain behavior that seems so contradictory, close quote. Again, you see this in the examples as stated earlier, the KKK with crosses on their robes, the Christian flags at the Capitol on January 6th, those on their knees in prayers and in other ways. Dr. Tisby goes on to write as how the authors of the flag and the cross explain WCN and I quote, white Christian nationalism is not simply a set of beliefs, but a narrative a deep story that keeps getting told, retold, and embellished to suit the desires of those who buy into it, end quote. There are many who truly love God and to seek to serve him, but they are buying into the rhetoric of these false beliefs. They're believing the lies and drinking the Kool-Aid. This book gives dire warning that the capital insurrection will happen again, but next time on a much larger scale. The authors warn that if this should happen, and they truly believe that it will, that it will not only be larger and more violent than the first, but that it will be large enough to bury American democracy for at least a generation or longer. In their book, they report that Homeland Security stated in their 2020 annual report of Homeland Threat Assessment, open quote, among domestic violent extremists, DBEs, 
racially and ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically white supremacists, will remain the most persistent and lethal threat in the homeland, close quote. But none of this can be done without the help of Christians. And it's the Bible-toting, tongue-talking, supposedly spirit-filled Christians who are allowing themselves to be deceived and becoming a part of this white Christian nationalist movement. Because someone says Jesus or something has his name on it doesn't mean that he's in it. Dr. Tisby goes on to say that he believes the convincing research presented in the flag and the cross that white Christian nationalists are the greatest threat to the witness of the church in the U.S. today. I know you get tired of me saying it, but I just can't say it enough. It's Christians who are destroying Christianity. One of the truly sad things about white Christian nationalists is that they actually believe the lies that they have adhered to for generations. These lies have been repeated so often that what was once legends and myths have now become what they believe to be their historic truths. WCN believed that they have a right to this nation and that no other nationality should be equal to them. They believe that these are God-given rights that they've earned because of their goodness and faithfulness to God. They don't believe that history should be written showing them in a dim or unfavorable light because they must pass these legends and myths on as truths to their children and descendants. They can't afford to allow CRT or the 1619 Project to be in school or talked about publicly, but they would rather that these works and books be buried or burned. Anything in history that would interfere with their legends must not be tolerated because after all, according to them, they are blessed and favored by God and no one else except white Europeans are as blessed and favored. This is why they cannot tolerate other races, black, Asian, Hispanic, or Jews to become prosperous without their approval. Black entertainers and sports figures can be acceptable because at one time, these people really didn't become wealthy beyond their own generation. Pastors, whites and black could use these black entertainers or sports figures as examples of proof to their black church members of God wanting them to prosper. Thus the prosperity message, which was a part of influencing their flocks who were already poor and struggling to give not just the tithe and offering which belongs to God, but even beyond their actual means with the words, the more you give, the more you receive. White Christian nationalism has been hidden in the church for generations. And as the authors Perry and Gorski said, it's a deep story that has been passed through the churches as gospel and the word of God. These people want to bring about a society where no one has rights or privileges but whites, and they are using God and his son who died for our sins to achieve their own hidden, hateful, sinful agendas. Again, I say we must wake up as those who believe in God, as those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
for those who truly love him with no ulterior motives, no hidden agendas or self-serving incentives. We must open our eyes, our hearts and spirits to hear our father as he speaks to us concerning those things that do not glorify his name. And white supremacy, racism and prejudice in the church and body of Christ does not. If what we do is not to glorify the name of God, if it's not to lift up his name according to his word and his will, then as Christians and followers of Christ, don't do it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amieagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support, and may God bless each and every one of you.